You're listening to Access World, a podcast on digital inclusion and accessibility. Access World is a production of the American Foundation for the Blind. To learn more, visit www.afb.org aw. Welcome to the second episode of our new Access World podcast. This is Eric Priest, the Editor-in-Chief of Access World, and I'm joined here by uh, Tony Stevens. Hey, Tony. Hey, Aaron. Hello, everybody. This is Tony, Director of Comms with AFB. It's November 1st. We just finished up October, and uh, hopefully our bellies are full of Halloween candy. I wish. We're recording this previously, so we don't know. Hopefully everyone got good candy. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping so. But yeah. Uh, you probably didn't go trick or treating, did you, Aaron? Not me. <laughs> no, same here. Same here. I'll be lucky to hand out candy, anyways. But, but yeah, but you know, October is not just about Halloween. It's about uh, you know, we're finishing up uh, National Disability Employment Awareness Month. Uh, but we want to make sure at AFB that even though it's November first, employment does not just issues don't disappear. Yeah. So for Access World, we have always found employment important, and we've always uh, pushed for people to be employed, and also. Um, one of the things we are interested in is kind of showing that people who are blind or low vision can can do a lot of things, can do pretty much anything a sighted person can when it comes to employment. Um, so we always want to showcase that as well. So we've always always promoted a lot of employment-related content in Access World. Um, so in our recent issues, we have several interviews um, with people who are blind or low vision themselves and, and about their careers called our Employment Journey series now with our transition to the quarterly issues. Um, before it was called Employment Matters. It will help you if you are looking for employment advice, uh, but it also I think is a good showcase of what people who are blind or low vision can do and the kind of tools that they can use to access their jobs and the, the, the innovation and problem solving skills that people show. And I think it's important um, for people, even if you're not visually impaired um, or to if you are in the business of hiring people and you want to know what exactly can uh, someone that's blind or low vision do, uh, it's a great way to learn about that, what people can do. All of our issues going back to 2000 are online and free to access. Uh, you can go to afb.org slash aw slash back issues. So afb.org slash aw for access world and then slash back issues. Um, and all that content is there. We have Janet Ingber and Judy Dixon on today. Uh, it's that time of year again when iOS uh, or Apple updates their iOS operating systems. And so Judy and Janet have brought us uh, blog posts collecting the updates. Both uh, Janet covered the mainstream updates and Judy covered the accessibility updates. Again, those are on our blog, afb.org slash blog. Um, and so they are here to talk to us about the uh, the updates and all the exciting things going on with iOS 17 today. Very cool. Excellent. So yeah, stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back with Aaron, myself, and Janet and Judy, our two guests. So uh, Judy and Janet, thank you for joining us. Uh, so for longtime readers of Access World, you may remember during this time of year, uh, we publish our review of the latest iOS uh, update. And once again, uh, Janet Ingber and Judy Dixon have uh, have prepared 
information on the both the mainstream and accessibility updates in iOS 17 that'll be live on AFB's blog uh, by the time you listen to this podcast. Uh, and Judy and Janet, thank you for for joining us. Thank, thank you. you. So uh, first, we'd like to just kind of get a rundown on the uh, what's new with iOS 17. So I guess we will start with um, the mainstream updates. So I will uh, hand it over to Janet to, to cover the mainstream updates of uh, iOS 17. Okay, sure. There are some good updates in this iOS version. Uh, one of the things that I really like a lot is the ability to share AirTags. I know a lot hasn't been made of it, but um, I don't know why Apple was kind enough to do this, but it's it's actually wonderful. I have a AirTag on my dog, and along with his license and microchips and everything else, and I was very easy, uh, easily able to make it also be on uh, my husband's Find My section and my daughter's Find My section. Um, that to me is a really cool thing. Uh, another really fun feature is live voicemail. So if you get a phone call and somebody starts leaving you a voicemail, voiceover will read it as it's being dictated. So then you have the choice of either taking the call or not. So the other thing you can do is you can leave a video message. What will happen is you'll get a message that the person is not available and then you'll be walked through how to leave a message. There is improvements to autocorrect and there is now something called predictive text. And basically what predictive text does, it after learning your writing style and everything, as you're typing in an email or a message or anywhere that text can be entered, what will happen is you will get suggestions of what um, predictive text links you want to say, and all you have to do is double tap on the on the suggestion. I found it a little annoying in the beginning because stuff was always pop popping up. But what I did was I just opened a text message and just played with it for a few minutes to get the feel of it. And it's actually pretty good. Um, messages has a really nice feature called check-in. I think this is, this is really great, like with kids, but it could be with anybody. I mean, it's, if you have these people in your Find My um, app, that's great. It'll tell you where they are and, and how far away they are. But what, what check-in does is you set this up and they have your exact route. The, whoever's um, following you is, is able to see your route. And if, um, if, they, if they can't reach you, um, then you know where they are. You'll know what their battery level is. Um, all kinds of things. It's not very hard to set up and it's it can be a very, very useful feature. Um, what's not in the blog is Apple Fitness Plus has some new uh, trainer tips. So each week, one of the trainers gives a, a quick little tip. I mean, like a 30 to 60 second tip. The one last week was on um, doing your plank correctly. And the one today was about how to stay motivated. You can also, if you're somebody that really likes stacks, you can put a bunch of exercises in a, in a stack and it will just play back to back to back. Or you can have Fitness Plus by giving them some information, they'll come up with a workout plan for you. So that's, that's another really nice feature. I know I've left some out and as we're going, if, if I think of anything and there's time, I will let you know, but it's all 
in the blog. So this is Tony, Janet. Can I ask just a couple of quick questions? Because some of it's really sure. interesting. And like I, I've always fancied myself as an avid Apple user. But a couple of these things I haven't really dove into. I, I go into the Find My App a ton uh-huh. for my my kids. I got two boys that have iPhones. And I'm constantly nervously figuring out, okay, did they make it to school? Did they miss <laughs> the bus? Depending on how quickly they're going down the road, I'm like, okay, they're even they're either walking to school or they actually got on the bus. But so did you say like, so under like messaging, like, is there a way that I can more easily access the find my kind of information? What um, is it? What it will do is it will, um, you will check, you will set up the check-in and you'll in- indicate what the route is for your kids. If you're going to set it up or mm-hmm. they will indicate the route and you'll be notified when they get there. And, you know, if there's a problem, and something's wrong if if they're not there by a certain time um they will contact them they can contact you apple, apple can contact you so yeah it it is set up in messages um cool. and it's pretty easy to set up oh nice and then and then for the tags i'm i'm wanting to jump on the tag band, bandwagon um but maybe for some of the listeners too that that aren't too familiar with the tags cuz i think it's got enormous you know, just sort of independent living uh, benefits, right? For people that, that, you know, are blind or have low vision. Oh yeah. Like how, like what's the size of the tag? Like you said, you put one on your dog. I've got my guide dog as well. Like, are, are they easy to use and get set up like similar to just any other device? They're very, very easy to set up. It's step-by-step. A few years ago, I did an article on air tags, but it's very, very easy. And it's about the size maybe of a half dollar. Oh, wow. Uh, if you are going to put one on your dog, uh, you need to get an air hair an air tag holder because the the tag is just this one little thing, and then you put some kind of holder or something on it. Or it's like a disc. Yeah, worth. Yeah. Yes, it's like a disc, um, and they're very easy to set up. And what's really cool is when you're inside and you're looking for something that has an air tag on it. Air tag will give you like step by step directions. I. I hid one under my piano and then went looking for it. It gave me exact directions to get there, even though know, it was inside the house. But it did that. It's great for, um, I have one on my purse. I have one hidden in my purse. So if my purse ever gets stolen, I can track it. Um, I am a huge fan of AirTags. And I'm really happy Apple made this service available so that we could share them. And it's you can... You can share an air tag up to five people. Okay. Volume on the air tags is not really high. They're actually no, quite, quite hard to hear, but yeah. the way that the iPhone can direct you to it is really nice. Like similar yeah. to how the Air AirPods kind of work when you lose an eye, you know, one of your earbuds. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I was thinking about that, that I would love to, to attach one to my AirPods as often as I lose those. Well, you can find your AirPods, depending on which kind of AirPods you have, you can find your AirPods and find my. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, will it do the same thing? Because I lose the case Uh all the time is what I lose. So I can't track it by audio. I'm thinking my kid's keychain. That's good info. Yeah. Yeah. Like a keychain. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, those are some exciting updates. Thanks, Janet. Quick, yeah, you're quick welcome. question. Um, the, what stood out to me was the um, the new predictive text. I noticed that it, um, they mentioned that they are using a transformer model to to predict yes. the text and, and do the auto corrections and incorrect <laughs> grammar. Right. 
I'm curious how big of a difference you've noticed, because that to me says that they're using AI for that now. Um, and it's kind of amazing. I mean, I'm sure if anybody's messed with uh, chat GPT and those sort of things, it's it's right. uncanny how good that that is now. So I'm curious if there's been a significant increase in the the quality of that. And the time I've been using it, I, I've seen uh, some improvement, def- you know, definitely. And it, what, what it says is that as it learns your writing style and everything, it, its results will be more accurate. So that's very cool. Yeah. Awesome. So shifting over to accessibility, Judy, what, what um, you know, for, for more specific down into the weeds on things that are specific to users with disabilities, what are some of the accessibility improvements that you're noticing in the iOS update? There's quite a few. It's very, very nice this year. There's two new features in the detection modes part of the magnifier app, and they are text detection which is just kind of an instant read like we have in other apps, but it's very similar to the one that's been in the camera app the last couple of years. And also there's the um, point and speak. Point and speak is, is a potentially good feature. At the moment, it's rather difficult to use, especially for people with no vision. I suspect for low vision users, they may have better results because what you're meant to do is slide your finger around on a touch screen, a, a different touch screen, not the one you're using point and speak, but another another device. And it will tell you the words you're passing over. So you can use it on a microwave or a dishwasher or something like that. The problem is you touch the touch screen. <laughs> and I guess maybe they think you're supposed to do it when you're just really close to it and not actually touching it. I have tried it many times and have been minimally successful. So um, I keep reading all the articles and all the tips on how to use it, and I have not made much progress. So I'm hoping that uh, it will change or something. But it's it's it it has the I mean being able to have access to appliances that's such a major problem that people have these days. And having a better way to do that would be a really, really nice thing. Yeah, for sure. I'm curious, is are there better results on um, more, I'm not sure what the name for these buttons are, but like the, the old style microwaves where it's like a flat panel, but the button's still a physical button that you have to kind of press in where you can kind of ghost your finger over it. Does it work better there versus, because I see what you mean with it. If you're using an actual touchscreen, whatever you touch is going to get activated. But if it's a like say like a tactile knob on a washer or like that that type of like oven or or microwave it, it doesn't panel, it doesn't it read those no. oh okay so it has to be an actual lit up physical uh, it has to be a lit screen. up thing yeah uh, and would it work on like a kiosk like i was at um at an airport it, recently it might and, i haven't yeah. tried it on something like that That'd be so it, it it could that would be interesting because it because it because it might yeah i went to a restaurant which will be left unnamed a fast food joint in an airport and there were no more humans it was all just touchscreens and it was good luck and it wasn't it wasn't any of the ones that had been incorporating you know i know like mcdonald's worked to make their kiosk accessible this was not mcdonald's but you know it was a um but yeah just a joy i mean it's great to think that there are tools other than like you know seeing ai can only do so much as an app that you know can kind of hold up in front and try to read a screen but that's that's neat that it's interactive like that be my AI does a great job on screens. There's a lot of new features having to do with braille displays. There's a new way to 
search apps on your phone. If you're on a touch on the home screen, any home screen, if you just press enter and start typing the name of the apps or the app or whatever you're looking for, it will create a list of them. You can arrow up and down and, and just hit enter and go to the one you want. It's very nice. And you can have it, they have something now called sound curtain, which is similar to screen curtain, except it turns off all the sounds on the phone whenever you connect a braille display, if you turn sound curtain on. Hmm. And that's a really nice, nice feature. Is it easy? Is it in the rotor or an easy way, like a three or four finger tap? Like how, It's not easy? in the rotor. It's something you turn on in voiceover settings and mm -hmm. it will come on. And, and when, as soon as you disconnect the Braille display, it goes off. Oh, good. That's helpful. There's not a way to accidentally trip yourself. Like I know, you know, everyone complains about the screen curtain, not, not from our community complaining, but like I regular consumers who aren't blind or low vision are like, how did I, why does my screen turn black? You know, cause they did a four finger or what a three finger tap or whatever the screen curtain tap is. So that's cool. So yeah. So you can just plug it in and it automatically kicks on. That's nice. There's also a setting. Now you can enable Bluetooth on start so that you'll never get into a situation where you don't have Bluetooth on when you want it. That's a nice, a nice feature. There's a lot more haptic feedback and I've heard a lot of complaints about this. There's actually a lot of haptic feedback and, and it's all configurable. You can turn off any of the haptic feedback and in the blog, I talk about, you know, if, if, if this is a problem for you, that there are ways to turn it off. And I describe how to do that because there's probably more haptic feedback than most of us want. Let's so with the haptic feedback, is there, I'm assuming, different um, strengths and patterns for, say, being on the keyboard versus when you're touching apps, different buttons, that sort of thing? Or how does, is it pretty consistent? There is. There's, um, like, when when you get sounds, there's also haptic. So I my um, text message sound is kind of a long two-second sound, and the haptic feedback goes the entire time. It goes, <laughs> and it's... Uh, it, it is a little disconcerting. There are new uh, settings in the voice settings. You have a lot of configuration now. You can configure these voices, setting things like timber and things like that. And different, different voices have different kinds of settings. So the vocalizer voices have some kinds of settings and the, then the other voices have, have different ones. Some of them don't have too much. Some of them have quite a lot. Is that you find just going and exploring each voice and figuring out? Yes. Kind yes. of go down the rabbit hole of all the settings for each voice and you can just kind mm -hmm. of play around. Yep. You can um, make your own voice now. It's using that, um, I think it's using the 11 labs. Um, personal, it's called personal voice and you can, you, you have to read, apparently it takes quite a while, but you have to read several hundred phrases, but once you finish, you have your own voice that you can use. I have not done this, but I understand from people who have that it's a pretty complex. So this voice is, is it specifically for like a specific type of app to read out specific messages or can you actually use it as a TTS oh, you voice can, on you your- can, I believe voice? you can use it. I, as That's I said, amazing. I have I have not done it, but I don't, you- I don't know if I like myself as much to hear myself all yeah. the time. I don't think I do either. <laughs> it's not something I have been very interested in doing. 
I guess if you have to read a script, maybe if you're doing an event and you just are curious to how would I sound reading this script or something like that, maybe that would be a, you know, like a, a speech or something. Or, I mean, why even be speech? I could just hold my phone up by the microphone and just pretend <laughs> to say all. Yeah. There's a new feature called assistive access that provides a stripped down interface for many of the default apps, the, the built-in apps. And this is designed for people who are a little intimidated by the interface and to give them a simpler thing to use or, or people with cognitive disabilities. I can see where that would be helpful having worked with <laughs> seniors who have just picked up the iPhone and it's really their first smartphone ever and trying to teach them how, how a smartphone differs from a, a traditional phone, but also how to use voiceover, which is an additional complexity. I can see where that would be very beneficial. I do too. I think, I think it can be really, I've talked to so many people who, oh, I just can't use a smartphone. I, I just, you know, it'd be, and they're just overwhelmed by the complexity of it. You can set the rotor so that it won't change on its own. It so, and this is, this is, a, I find a little confusing, but right now, if you go, if you set your rotor, let's say you set it to characters because you like that. And then you go to an app that has an ac action items. It will automatically switch to the action rotor inst instead of staying on characters. You can now set it so that it doesn't change with, cha it's going to change rotor with item. So it doesn't change with item. And it'll stay on whatever you've set it for. The only problem is if you've set it for something that doesn't actually exist in your next app, it has to change because it can't stay on something that doesn't exist. So I don't know that this is going to work out as well as one might hope. I've always wanted Apple to have a default setting per app so you could decide in this app, I want my rotor to default to characters. And in this app, I want my rotor to default to vertical navigation and things like that. But they haven't chosen to do that yet. I can definitely see myself using though, where, cause I do, I, I like the way that I have it set up to be able to read things. And as I go from app to app, sometimes it is um, frustrating to have to be like, okay, I got a rotor again and rotor again, you know, to get back to, to where I was with trying to get the, um, you know, read words and things like that. Like that definitely has some use, uh, like in my day-to-day -day use, I think, just right out of thinking about it. Yeah, yeah I've, same. I've used it also and, and it has been, it has been useful. I, I find it, 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 it's, it, it's nice. Excellent. In any thoughts, um, a question I had in terms of just accessibility, like, um, you know, as always the apps, uh, as they're being developed and developers are, are wanting to try to integrate in more accessibility tools. Um, and, you know, Aaron and I, we were talking about this earlier, um, just like resources that Apple has available because there's, there is so much, I mean, each, each iOS update, it seems like there's more and more verbosity. There's more and more opportunities for users to have control right over what they're hearing with the text to speech, uh, you know, but just making sure developers are developing in ways to kind of maybe think through some of these things. Any thoughts on like, you know, resources out there that Apple has or Aaron, are you familiar with anything maybe that Apple has as a direction for developers no. to know that, Hey, there's this whole world of accessibility that you can leverage in your design too. 
I'm not deeply familiar with this personally, but I did find that there is an extensive chapter in their developer documentation on accessibility in general. There are um, multiple, it's not just a very quick page or anything, it's it's multiple different sections. Um, I saw something on adding voiceover accessibility, maximizing your accessibility, the best way, best way to implement it, various types of accessibility, UI accessibility versus other, other types. Um, it's a pretty extensive chapter, um, but that is in the, the, the develop, developer documentation um, from Apple themselves. And it looked, like I said, it looked pretty extensive from the, the look, the quick look that I took at it. I'm no, I'm no developer myself, so there's, um, uh, didn't have a, uh, a deep dive into it, but it, it did look extensive from the look that I took. They also have accessibility sessions at WWDC. And so those videos are online and they stay online for, for years. And if you go back to the spring issue of, or the summer issue of Access World, sorry, uh, there uh, Janet put together an article on those and we linked to, to those in the, in the article where you can go back and rewatch a lot of those from this past WWDC. Well, we can link to that in the podcast description notes. That's good to know. Excellent. Well, it's always wonderful that, you know, Judy, you and Janet are the, are the always forging the path forward to be the first to hit download whenever the, uh, you know, Apple prompts you for opportunities to updates. Uh, you know, some people are a bit, a bit hesitant sometimes, right? So um, any, any thoughts as people do, because with every update on every manufacturer, there's always quirks and things that always get worked out and, you know, version, you know, 0 0.01, 0 0.02, et cetera, that come out as later updates. Any ways that folks can just kind of, you know, as they come up with things uh, that they can reach out to Apple to let them know is so that users, so that we can have a way to get feedback in. Because I know Apple's really good about, you know, wanting to actually hear from users even after updates are made. Apple yeah. Accessibility has a phone number and an email address. And the email address is accessibility at apple.com. And their phone number is 877-204-3930. And I've, I've called them quite a few times and they're very helpful. They actually can, can get on your phone. They can't actually do anything, but they can see it. And they can, so you can manipulate your phone and, you know, take them to an area where you're confused or you're having trouble and they can describe it to you or, or even report problems and things. I had a situation a few weeks ago where my Apple TV wouldn't come on and they actually tried to get on it. They actually, <laughs> this was great. The guy got mm -hmm. on my phone and then turned on the camera so he could look at my Apple TV screen <laughs> and uh, that that worked really well. He couldn't fix it, but he he really tried hard and ended up making me an appointment at the Genius Bar. No, it's really it's really good with they can do that also see inside your your watch or your Mac and um, they they are very knowledgeable. They are extremely nice and you know, they, I'm sure they've heard it all before. So whatever problem you have, you know, don't feel embarrassed about quality. It's, it will make your life easier rather than being frustrated with it. I just want to go back to one thing that, um, about updates really quick. Um, I don't 
have the bravery to try betas. So I, I don't do betas. And usually what I'll do when an operating system comes out, I'll wait a few days. And and yes, exactly. They, they push through like 17.1 uh, so, or 17.01. So yeah, they Apple's good about handling bugs. You know, there's going to be bugs in any operating system. It's just the nature of the beast. And, you know, if you are having problems, just, you know, have patience if you need to call Apple for them to help you do it. That's what they're there for. And they've all been trained in accessibility. They, they understand everything that, that, that your phone can do or your Mac can do, or your watch, your TV. So don't be ashamed or embarrassed about calling them. One thing I would add too with that is, um, and we've linked to this in several of our articles, is the uh, AppleVis, uh, A-P-P-L-E-V-I-S.com. Um, is a site dedicated to um, voiceover accessibility, in particular blind and low vision accessibility on Apple, any kind of Apple operating system. Um, but one thing that I find very helpful that they do is they have a persistent bug tracker of all the accessibility related bugs on iOS, on whatever the current iOS version is. And because a lot of the times when they, the things that they don't catch in beta are going to be the very niche, you know, when it go it goes out to the general public, there's going to be those niche things that are probably the kind of bugs that aren't caught usually. Um, so it's helpful before you update to go and look at that and see, well, are there any bugs that are actually going to affect me? Because if it's a bug that says, when I'm in the mail app and I'm focused on this button and I do this gesture, this happens instead of this happening, maybe you're not using the mail app that often or you're not gonna do that particular sequence of events to get that bug so you can update. But if it's something that affects you directly, you may wanna hold off till that particular bug is fixed. I know. That has helped me a lot over the years um, to to judge when I want to update to the latest version for sure. They yeah, come up with a list in seven of seventeen point one, which just came out last week. They've come out with a list of the bugs that were fixed and new bugs that were introduced and bugs that weren't fixed. <laughs> the never-ending game of whack-a-mole. Yes. Yes. Very cool. So on a wish list, <clears throat> we are getting into the holiday season. Uh, but maybe not this year, but always for future years. Um, you know, any any thoughts on like, you know, daydreaming about what else could maybe be thrown in Apple iOS, you know, in the future? Anything that you're really still daydreaming about or wishing for? I can't really think of anything major. Um, I really love Apple Music and the more they can do with that would be very, very nice. Judy, how about you? Just thinking about that, I'm. I also can't think. I'm. I'm sure I must have <laughs> have a list, but I, I uh, every year I repress it after the uh, update comes out. Yeah, maybe the last thing I need right now is is a dire wish to then give me a reason to go spend more money on stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you both for taking time to really break down your your blog articles. They'll be on the uh, on the AFB blog for Access World, and then as well, just uh, you know, for being part of our second podcast episode. Thank you very much. This is thank an exciting you. podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Janet and Judy for taking time to join us for this episode of Access World and. I I always think of myself as an avid Apple user. I've been using Apple since 1983 when it was an old 2C computer, but 
it's always nice. It's, there's new things every turn, Aaron, and uh, some cool stuff. What were the big takeaways for you? For me, I would say the big takeaways are from accessibility in particular, the new uh, text recognition, the the ability to point at a touch screen oh, and it right, recognizes. Yeah. Like you could hold it in front of you and it's actually. Hold it in front of you on a touch screen and it will recognize what's on this touch screen in front of you. Yeah, um, check that out for sure. And for me, I, I love AI and, and I'm always interested in seeing developments in AI. So when I saw that the um, the autocorrect feature and the predictive text feature is now using a transformer uh, language model, uh, it seems like to predict your text. And that's something I've never used before because I always you always hear horror stories about people correcting to the wrong thing or always having to fix it. Um, so it's something I've never really used before, but something I'll definitely start using uh, just to see how, how well it works to kind of... Um, just based on my experience with other types of AI. Yeah, definitely. I, I and you know, one of the things I love when Janet was talking about the air tags, because I've 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 not yet jumped on that ship, but like I need to. I just need to make the plunge. And uh because I love when like they they come out with something that's for the broader world, but then you realize you're like, oh, this could be a really good use for my own sort of independent living lifestyle, right? As someone who's blind. Oh, for yeah. sure. That's yeah. definitely something, yeah. definitely th something that I should have picked up by now, um, just based on the amount. I, I mentioned previously that I, I'd love to stick one to my AirPods because I don't know how often I set my AirPod case down and don't remember where, where I put it. So having a way to actually find that. Um, and it seems like it, it, it does uh, find mine. We'll do that too. So that was great information to have. Yeah, very cool. And, you know, the one thing that I want to get keyed into is the Be My AI app that we were talking about as well, because I've been I've been using the Be My Eyes app for a while, but I keep hearing about the Be My AI, and it sounds like it really is as good as people are saying. Yes, I have been blown away by the Be My Eyes uh, AI. I think it's is it Be My AI, I believe. Yeah. Um, it is in what and it's now available to the public. You you can it's not on you're not on a waiting list anymore. Uh, you, if you download the Be My Be My Eyes app from the App Store, uh, you can click over to that Be My Be My AI tab and you can just get access right now. Um, so what it does is it's using a I believe it's GPT four um, to recognize images. So it is unreal the detail that it can pick up. Um, you take a picture of a room and it will, like I took a picture of my dog as one of the tests I did sitting in my recliner. And it said that the dog was in the foreground, but it also recognized my laptop next to me on a little stool. It recognized my couch on the corner of the picture. It recognized, you know, my door and the things hanging around my door. Um, it to, to describe the, the expression on my dog's face. Um, and then what it's so it's incredibly detailed, but what you can also do is you can ask it for more information. So if I wanted more, say it picked up the laptop in the corner of the picture, um, if I, well, what kind of laptop is that? Or what's the laptop look like? It would give me more information on that. Um, and it will also tell you like, well, I can't quite see it. You need to take a picture that's, you know, more centered. It's only, you know, it's, it's in the edge or the, the picture's too dim. I could read more if it was brighter. Um, so it's really amazing. I've had a lot of use of it because I'm in a, a group chat with friends and family and that sort of thing. And they're, everybody's always sending pictures and they've been good to tell me, you know, they'll describe the picture. Um, but it's really nice now I can, it, there's an option in the share, the Apple share sheet. So anytime you see share in, an, in anything, any kind of picture, if it's, it has a, um, a share button, 
you scroll down, there's an option called recognize with um, with be my eyes, and that will send that picture to to the system and uh, recognize it for you. So and it's again really accurate. So I'm able to go, oh, looks like you're here, and it looks like the picture has this. And it's a lot of people have been um, that I've, you know, been texting with, yeah. have been impressed. They're like, oh my gosh, you, I can't believe you, you know, are able to get that level of accuracy. Um, one thing I will say, it, it, because it is a language, it, because it is a GPT language model, they are known to make things up it's called hallucinating when they just you could if you say to a chat to chat gpt give me the biography for uh you know pierre louis that lived in 1880 it will make someone up and give you a what it considers in a completely accurate description of this guy's life even though he never existed so it, it does it, it is willing to make things up so you have to it i found it very accurate so far but when it comes to text, it doesn't really recognize text all that well. Um, so you may want to check um, if the text is correct. If it's like if you're taking a picture of, uh, of uh, say, like a digital panel or something, um, an appliance or something like that, um, that might be something you want to. If it tells you the left knob is, um, you know, temperature or something, you may want to switch to another app that does act to, that, that specifically for OCR, like seeing AI to double check that just in case because it will especially with text where it's not really geared towards just it's not technically using ocr so that's something to check and that's for serious things you want to make sure you um double check on on things um, but it's, but, not gonna, it's not gonna accidentally mistake my guide dog for a 1967 vw microbus it's not going to no, be. but it might say that it's a cat if it sees it from the wrong angle, or you've got a wolf in your house. <laughs> it might oh. be something like that. You might get four a legs bit. and a tail. <laughs> yep. It's all a so cat. that's uh, it. It's something like that. But it's it. I'm saying that, but that also, and it, it will warn you all. There's all kinds of warnings and stuff when you start it up about what it can do, what it can't do, what you should use it for, what yeah. you shouldn't use it for. Um, so it'll tell you this too. I just think it's worth mentioning because I, I noticed you know, infrequently I'll, I'll, I'll take a picture of something that I know what it is. And I'll be like, wait a minute. That's not, that's not clear. Well, with um, all AI, it's going to get smarter as it goes along. Exactly. And they're going to, and that's hallucination. And this is kind of an AI topic, but um, that's one thing they've been working on in all these AIs is making sure when they, when you ask it for facts that it's actually giving you facts and not making something up. And that's, that's a, that's a continuing issue that people in the AI space are working on. So it's obviously, it's going to be, it's going to get better for sure. And it's using the, I would say, I mean, it's probably debatable potentially, but I would say that it's using, since it is going through OpenAI, who are kind of the leader in this field, um, it's really the best AI image recognition you're going to be able to find right now. Um, and it's amazing because it's free. Um, it is entirely free. There's no limits on how many pictures you can take, that sort of thing. Um, so it's a really amazing tool and it's really already change the way I do things and the way I'm able to, and it's expanded what I can interact with in the way, even just, like I said, with the pictures, people are sending in my text groups, um, my group chats, I'm able to, it allows you to, um, to better, uh, engage with society, I would say. So yeah. it's a really, I highly recommend people check it out. Just down, yeah. if you want to download the be my, be my eyes app from the iOS app store, and then go to the be my AI tab. Uh, yeah. There you go. And this wasn't supposed to be a commercial for Be My Eyes. Not, not, yeah. This is not sponsored no, by it, Be My it, Eyes. It sparked our conversation <laughs> with Judy and Janet, and it was like, I just, 
I, I, I need to make the plunge. I'm going to wait till the weekend or else I'm going to kill my productivity this week, just walking around holding my phone. Taking open. pictures of things. Yeah, same. Exactly, but, but cool. And I mean, just exciting as well in their updates for Judy and Janet. Um, just with, you know, I mean, Apple's even becoming smarter with their recognition and photos and texts and things like that. And then, um, you know, like the tracking thing we talked about with scanning stuff. And then, um, you know, just across the board, it's so exciting when you think about how far we've come over the few years. For uh, sure. Thinking about where we're going, what's in what's up in November for Access World coming out later this month in Access World? What else what else is on the plate for Access World? So this month for Access World being our November issue, we are going to have a article on shopping for gifts. Um, people who have read Access World might remember our uh, gift, our shopping guides from the past where we take a, a deep dive into a website or a couple of websites and apps. Uh, on their accessibility and that sort of thing. Uh, what we're doing a little bit different this year, um, we'll be describing, essentially doing kind of a survey of like, what is the landscape like specifically for smaller um, smaller specialty shops? Um, what could, where, where is the accessibility there? Because I would say at this point, if you're going to Walmart or Amazon or Best Buy or any of those other, you know, Barnes and Noble, Box any of those companies, you know it's pretty much guaranteed that you're going to have an accessible experience. I, I'm not going to, there's always outliers, but I would say all the companies I'm aware of that are major, major household name companies are going to have accessible websites at this point in time. Um, so we want to look at small, because there's a lot of things you can only find at smaller places and people love to get, you know, homemade crafts and, and that sort of thing. Um, so there's a lot of, there's so many stores out there that, that are smaller, um, smaller businesses, and we, we're curious what the level of accessibility is, knowledge, and, and, and implementation is there. Cool. Um, so that's what we'll be we'll be doing a survey on on many of those, uh, kind of collecting and seeing what the landscape's like for that. Worth checking um, out for Small Business Saturday, that, that which will be later in the week that Access World will drop. So that's cool. Yep. And um, so other articles, we um, there is a new service called our ability um so we'll be doing a, a an article on that company uh, and that organization that is connecting people that are have various disabilities with companies that are looking specifically to hire people with disabilities um, and it uses an ai feature to help match you with um i believe an ai feature to match you with uh, uh someone that's looking for your specific skill set uh, so that should be a, it seems like a promising it's a new new type of service um it looks pretty promising ran by people with disabilities so we'll be kind of doing a dive into that and, and what they're doing. Um, we'll have the second article of our gaming series. I'll be taking a uh, did in the summer issue of, of Access World. I did a deep dive or a, a, a survey of gaming accessibility and how it's very it's a very different beast than traditional website and app accessibility, uh, just by the nature of the way games work. Um, so I did a survey in August on game accessibility as a whole, all the different types of, of accessibility for various disabilities um, and, and some of the things that might be involved in that. So for this particular issue, I'm doing a deep dive into blindness accessibility information on um, various different types of games, different types of sound, soundscapes and ways of adapting various, uh, various types of games and, and how, to, how to make your UI accessible and that sort of thing. So it's kind of a deep dive into the blindness, specifically the blindness side, um, because that's that's uh, my particular uh, area of expertise. Um, so we'll be doing a deep dive into the blindness side of gaming. 
So thanks everybody for listening to the Access World podcast. And uh, last notes to leave on, Aaron. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving, everybody, later this month. So uh, when you're on vacation and you're finding something to do, uh, make part of that reading Access World when it drops later this month. So thanks, everybody. You've been listening to the Access World podcast, a production of the American Foundation for the Blind. For more information about AFB, visit our website at www.afb.org. Your tax-deductible gift can help us create a world of no limits for people who are blind or have low vision. Go to afb.org slash donate.